Hi, I'm Kenzie Fell, producer and co-host of McGowan Braybender's podcast channel, Side Effects. Unfortunately, we have reached our third and final podcast in our HR technology series with MB friend and HR technology consultant, Kelly Zimmerman. Her years of experience and credibility in this industry have benefited all of our listeners. I strongly suggest tuning in to Side Effects episodes number 85 and number 86, where we have discussed the basics of HR technology and how the implementation process works. We are changing gears for this third and final podcast as we focus on employers that currently have HR technology in place, except it may not be working. We'll dig deeper about how to determine ROI and if you're paying the right price and if you're unsure, where the heck do you begin? We're so excited to get started. Welcome back, Kelly Zimmerman. Welcome to Side Effects with an A. When effect is normally used, it's a noun. It's already occurred. Effect is a verb meaning action. Action influences outcome. I'm Scott McGowan. I'm Kenzie Fell. And I'm Anne-Marie Singleton. Now, I think even for our listeners, too, I think what's important is um, we might be right, we might be wrong, but one thing is we're not afraid. Our goal is to get you to think about things a little differently. And we're unscripted. We just have free reign for 20 minutes. Welcome to Side Effects with an A. Hello, Kelly. Thank you so much for being here again today in our third podcast together. Thank you so much, Kenzie. It's sad to think this might be ending. I know. We've had so much fun. Um, In our previous podcast, we have been talking about the technology strategy deployment. And so just to kick us off on the right foot, can you recap what is that technology strategy for our listeners? Absolutely. So technology strategy and technology deployment is not just putting in place that new technology. It's the entire thought process from vetting the technology market, knowing what your goals are within those technology activities, and then the implementation, ensuring that you have all the right people in place, and then deployment. How are you going to get your employees trained, engaged, utilizing it, and making sure that the technology is working for you and you are not working for the technology? Yes, that's, that's a I good, that. good statement for mm-hmm. sure. Um, good morning. It's Anne Marie. Hi, Kelly. Good morning. Good morning. So thanks for that, that recap. So you have the technology, um, you've got that in place. And what are some of the things you can help us understand about knowing whether you picked the right solution or not? Are there needs that you miss that your current solution doesn't address? How do we avoid that buyer's remorse that people have the minute they press go on the, on the technology? Absolutely. So hopefully all of the due diligence has been done. All of the items have been researched and there is a good decision. Um, however, sometimes as time goes on, the right decision today could be maybe the wrong decision tomorrow. There could be a change in leadership. There could be a change in the direction of the organization. There's a lot of things that can impact what happened in the past to where you're going in the future. So what may have been very successful at that time 
could be challenged. Maybe it was not implemented correctly. Maybe not all the right parties were involved during the decision making and implementation process. And we're not going to criticize individuals back then, but let's see if we can improve where we are today. And there's a lot of different methods and thoughts on how to make that happen and how to correct things. Uh, and there's a bunch of different situations that will generate that need for reevaluation. Yeah, and we, we've seen, I've seen, at least in my uh, interaction with employers, and I know you've probably seen it, that they maybe select a technology that meets a specific need, say for um, finance or payroll or you know, something specific on the Ben Admin side, but they didn't take into consideration some other need that other part of the organization had. And suddenly now the technology, even though it's great, is missing, missing that component. Um, have you seen that in your, in your work? Absolutely. We just completed a RFP project where the client made a technology decision several years ago based on ACA. What did they need to support that compliance measurement and reporting? Unfortunately, that's the only functionality they focused on. So mm -hmm. once they implemented, yes, ACA was addressed, but there were some other items that were not as robust and did not meet their needs. So they didn't look at all of the technology, all of the functionality and all of their needs to ensure that this one vendor could address everything. It was really tunnel visioned at that point. So they had to come back a couple years later and redo everything that they had done with vetting the market, implementing new technology and making that big change. Yeah, and I think sometimes that happens because people work on these projects on their own um, and they're not skilled in how to go to market for that or the types of questions to ask. And that's why it's really important that our clients work with BTR because you know all of those questions to ask up front. So thanks for sharing that. So Kelly, that's a perfect kind of segue into my next question. Um, if some companies may have added this technology years ago, um, or maybe there's new employees that have inherited it, or it's been on autopilot, people forgot about it, and it's not working. So are those kind of the cases you're running into as well? Absolutely. Uh, we know in this day and age, it's rare that someone stays with an organization more than three to five years. Mm -hmm. So it's often happening that there's new HR leadership or new corporate leadership or a new benefits administrator that they're coming in and they're going, why are you doing it this way? Well, it's always been like that. Oh, yeah. uh, and so they are going to challenge the status quo and the functionality. The other piece of it, we often see that when people are implementing a full suite HCM, they get their core needs, payroll, HR, timekeeping, maybe even recruitment and onboarding, and they get that implementation fatigue. And they're like, oh, I just can't take on more. Well, now they're paying for performance management or comp management, but it never gets deployed. Uh, so that's a scenario. Or something's been in place for years and years and years, and they get all these renewals. No one's really paying attention to it. They're like, yes, we don't have time to make a change. Let's just sign the dotted line. And all of a sudden, 
five to eight years later, their cost has been increased so much that they're paying more than the market can support or than they can get elsewhere. So there's time cannot be a benefit when it comes to technology. Right. So are there, what other kind of red flags have you guys seen? What, what should people be paying attention to? I think it is being in touch with your technology, with your organization, its goals, and your vendor. I think there should be items that, oh, it's not working, so all of a sudden someone's doing a manual process. Mm -hmm. They should have regular touch points of, well, why are you doing it this way? And then asking, always asking the questions of why. Be that young child when it takes a consideration of your engagement with technology. Well, why are we doing it this way? How does it impact things? Why can't we do it somewhere, some way else? And not only ask your team members, but ask the vendor. Have these continuous conversations that are flowing around just to ensure that you're optimizing that technology. Yeah. So again, asking those why questions and making sure, you know, it's working. Um, how often should you consider, I mean, what's the shelf life of technology inside of an organization today? And, you know, how do you keep track of it? How do you audit it? Or are there service level agreements that people should be expecting? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Exactly. Shelf life is very client specific. So it depends on if this is a client that started out with their current technology vendor, there are 50 employees and today they're still 50, 60 employees, that technology may still be meeting what they're needing. Or if they have grown and they started out at 50 and now they're at 500, their current technology may not be able to scale with them. So my suggestion is anyone who is the core administrator of the technology, or if you are new, responsible to that requirement, that you are putting in place regular review sessions. It may be monthly, it may be quarterly, it may be internally with your team. I think you need to be talking to your vendors on a quarterly basis. A lot of vendors have communities inside the system where you're going to get information on their enhancements. You want to make sure that you are optimizing any enhancements, that you're aware of them, you're aware when they're going to be deployed, how it could impact your current setup. And then a lot of vendors have annual meetings, summits, conferences, where clients can come together and have communications and see what that system is doing as they're continuing to grow. So we strongly encourage that they have that partnership with that vendor and know what's going on. Also, if you are able to keep that hand-in-hand -hand relationship, if anything should happen, a merger, an acquisition, major system deployments, you're ahead of the ball and the curve to know what's going on and start preparing for it internally. Yeah, so I think what I heard you say there, Kelly, is this is active management of your, of your technology. It's not like we vetted it, we selected it, we installed it, now we're just gonna use it until it's broken. Um, hmm. This is a relationship with your technology 
and the technology community and your technology partner. And I think that that gets missed because let's face it, people are really busy. They have, you know, enough work for one and a half or two and a half people sometimes in this space. And so making sure that the company and the leadership that's made this investment in the technology understands what is really being asked of the users of this, that they spend that time, right? Being involved with this process. Um, so that's, that's really good insight. And I think that, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I think that gets missed, right? A lot by, by employers. I, I agree. I think the practitioners, the people that are using it, the tactical administrators are aware of what's going on, but sometimes they are so busy that they're just like, okay, I'm just going to make it happen. I'm just going to do this workaround. I'm just going to do this manual process, which becomes a habit. And then the lead administrator isn't maybe aware of it and can't address it and ease that pain point for their employees because again they're busy with their strategic initiatives and their day-to-day -day operation as well yeah so really appreciate that insight i'm telling you i i just have talked to so many employers who who do not have the time or have not spent the time to have that relationship. That's when we get into those situations where the technology they have actually can serve their needs. They just didn't know about an upgrade or they mm -hmm. didn't know they had a particular module turned on. Um, so, so that's very helpful. So Kelly, I, I know you kind of hit on it before where you have to keep this relationship with your vendor, but is that always the best person to trust when it comes to auditing it? Should I, should you reach out to a third party? I don't think I would trust myself to do it, but what does BTR offer that kind of service too? Absolutely. So benefit technology resources, we engage with clients often on two separate levels. We can do a pricing analysis. So let's evaluate what your current spend is. Are you utilizing everything that you're paying for? Are you paying for the same functionality through multiple vendors? Are you paying something that you didn't even know you were paying for? I think you guys are always asking me about horror stories uh, when it came to a pricing analysis we conducted one and the client wasn't getting regular invoices just a statement you owe this amount of money amount of money each month well when we did the deeper dive they were paying about twenty thousand dollars a year just to house old time key punches wow Ooh. and they had been doing that for years so there's no need, there's <laughs> no legality ridiculous. of maintaining that in and out punch data. And so we identified it and it was an immediate win for the client. The other side of that is looking at continuous renewals. A lot of times you might get a five or 10% renewal and not know if that is reasonable or not. You're just like, yeah, we want to keep going. Let's sign it and let's go. But after two or three renewals, you're now paying 30 to 50% more than when you initially engaged in that with that vendor. And that is going to exceed what the market is. So we can evaluate the spend of your technology. But then we can do that deeper dive, what we call a technology analysis. And then this is where we're really going to spend some time with the client going through their processes and procedures and pain points. And then as 
vendor experts, we can identify, well, yes, this vendor can or cannot meet that need, make suggestions on how they could engage further with their vendor, or maybe stack in a more robust point solution that will meet a, meet a specific need they have. So third-party consultants like Benefit Technology Resources were very skilled in that evaluation, that audit process, and we would spend a lot of time with the client to get them to a full knowledge of their current state so that they can make informed decisions on what their future state's gonna look like. And so Kelly, as you go through this process and you educate the client, you talk to them, you help them be informed, how does the current vendor fit into this conversation? Are they involved? Are they kept in the loop? Or are they kept in the dark? We like involving the vendor. So we always ask for who is your current sales rep? Who is your current service rep? Because when we get that detailed information from the client, whether it be from a financial aspect or from a utilization aspect, then we go to the vendor. It's like, do you know the client's perception is here? And let's talk about how that can be corrected. How can some savings be identified? How can maybe some training? So we work with the vendor to identify corrective measures because we want the client to have that partnership with their vendor if we know that vendor is still a viable option for them. It is not always best to do a rip and replace of technology. As mm. we have talked about in the last couple of podcasts, it is very time consuming to vet the market. It is very costly to implement mm -hmm. a new platform. And if they're already with a strong vendor that really can meet all their needs, then let's do what BTR likes to call marriage counseling right. and see if we can't improve that relationship and you know, make it last and be an improvement for them with the least amount of negative impact. Right. And we really appreciate that about you. I think that's our approach to our employer's benefits and their current providers. And so I think that's why we really appreciate BTR's approach with our clients too. It's not just, you know, let me see what I can replace and look what we did for you. It's like, how can we help you do the best you can with either what you have and if that doesn't work with something in the market. We really appreciate that partnership approach. Um, and I think, you know, all the partners and the vendors do too. So thank you for that. Thank you. I do Absolutely. remember. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say BTR's perspective is very client centric. We are not selling technology we are consulting with the client to support them in creating that technology strategy. I do remember when we had you in for our sales summit last year, all of our consultants were so excited. They're like, Kelly from BTR. Oh, I get so many questions about this. She's going to answer everything. And I, I laugh when um, Anne-Marie says we really appreciate it, but no, like the love is real. BTR and you, you provide such value. So um, it, it all makes sense. I didn't know anything about HR technology before this. And now I'm like, this is so necessary and you are so crucial to the success of a company. So, um, that was just a fun little tidbit. I thought I would add. <laughs> that was really nice. Well, thank you for that. But it, you know, Anne-Marie alluded to this during our first podcast. McGowan Braybender focuses on what they're experts at group benefit strategies and supporting their clients in with their employees in their wellness. BTR 
is an expert in technology. And McGill and Brabender is able to pull in that level of expertise and add that layer of support to their clients, just as that tax accountant is that expert in God love our IRS and their tax laws and able to support clients with their financial requirements and fiduciary requirements. So, you know, this is where we partner and it, I love the McGo and Brabender team and engaging with you guys. So thank you for that sidebar that we had <laughs> of um, recognizing the partnership and how we support the McGo and Brabender clients. So going back a little bit to when we're auditing the systems, when we're including people to be a part of it, who exactly for our listeners, maybe on this basic level, who should be involved with this review within the company? Is it, could it be somebody on the payroll team? That's one of the lower level, but would it be helpful to have them included in this audit or this review? It's probably not going to surprise you, but I'm going to say the entire organization that is touching the HR technology is going to want to be involved mm -hmm. from the day-to-day -day practitioners, but even from the leadership who's wanting to know, can I pull information from this database? Can I run analytics out of this? What information can I get that will help me support the business successfully. Then your finance team, you know, what information are they going to need? What are they going to have for their GL? You know, so everybody should be involved in the evaluation of optimization and how it's best used and where it's not meeting their needs. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I can't stress that enough. And I think when those things get missed and you don't include everybody, then we end up doing a review before we need to, right? And and that um, that's not what anybody wants to do because as you can tell, this does take a lot of time and attention and energy, uh, but when the right solution is provided, um, it really can add to the value of the overall experience and organization. So you've got, you know, what are the results of the audit, right? You've got the audit, the results come back. Um, do, do most of your employers stay with their current vendor? Do they change things? I mean, I think you alluded to this earlier, repricing is possible. Can you talk just a little bit about, you know, about how those come back and generally what the results end up as? In my experience, it's almost a 50-50 split. So half of our pricing analysis or tech gap analysis, the client recognizes the value of their current vendor and they stay with them. However, they may be using the benchmarking information that we provide to negotiate better pricing for themselves. Uh, or they may identify that they are below market in their current invoicing structure, and then they can be very confident that they have a good partnership that is financial well-being for them. The other half are like, you know what, we don't feel like they're going to meet our needs and we need to make a change. And they may move right into that RFP process and they engage BTR and we just build all of, off of all of the activity we've already conducted. So it really can go either way. Again, every client is unique and the results are going to be unique to them. So getting into ROI a little bit, how do you know if you're getting this? It, do you know it's worth it after you get these results? It's very hard to quantify ROI. It really depends on where is the system 
or pricing not being optimized. So for example, I just completed a pricing analysis. The client was using four different vendors. They were spending about half a million dollars. We viewed it, we pulled some benchmarking information and provided them with the intel that they literally could go into the renewal negotiations and save anywhere from 100 to $300,000 out of their current spend, which is hugely impactful. Um, And sometimes there's no savings from a a cost, but there could be a greater partnership. We did one and the client was like, well, the vendor can't do this and they can't do that. And we know they could. So we pulled in all of the information to show this client the increased utilization could meet their needs, how to get some more training, how to deploy certain things that they're paying for. And so they were able to stay with that vendor. But we have had and like, no, this vendor is not going to meet our needs. We've outgrown the vendor. And so then they have to go into an RFP. But they're going into that RFP very thoughtful because now they know what they need. They know the functionality they're looking for. They know the right questions to ask. They're not in a situation where they don't know what they don't know because they do know. We've helped them identify all that, and we've helped them create a budget because we know what their current spend is and how it applies to the market. And, you know, Kelly, I know we ask you this question from time to time when we're working on projects, and and the dollars are real when you negotiate down what they're actually paying for the system and enhancing the use of the system. We've asked you oftentimes, you know, what's the – we'll call it soft dollar, I think it's a real dollar, when we've improved the workflow for someone, when we've given someone back 10 hours in their work week. Um, you know, we can't forget about the efficiency play that technology has um, when it's deployed correctly. Yes, and I love where people say, well, what's the time ROI? Uh, you, they may save time, but then they may feel like they're busier than before because now that time's being applied to other aspects of their organization where they can be more strategic, more engaged with their employees, more forward thinking. So they may actually say they're busier, but they're not busy with the tactical task that technology has taken over. Right, right. And I know that's a hard one to quantify, but it's one I don't want to forget about because I think it's a a really big lift. Um, so the decision's made, an employer wants to switch vendors, okay? That they're in that 50% bucket where we can't make what they have work. It's just not going to take them into the future. Um, what does that look like when they're moving from one system to another versus a first-time implementation where they, they didn't have any technology before? So what does that look like when it's a second time around, if you will? It's actually good and bad, depending on your perspective. It's really good from the client's perspective because they know exactly what they want. They know what didn't work. So they're asking all the questions. They want to see the technology perform appropriately. They know what to expect as a result. So they're very, as long as they're engaged in communicating, it's a great experience for the client. Uh, From a consultant or implementation, it's more work for us which is still a good thing because the client is able to articulate what they want and make sure that we're meeting the needs. For a first-time implementer, it's more work on 
making sure you're educating them, you're being a business partner, uh, best practices, what are other clients doing. So you're having to explain things much more deeply rather than the client driving where that technology ends up going to meet the needs. So it, it's a balance, um, but every, again, it all comes down to the client's engagement and being committed to the process and communicating all the way through so that they do have that successful implementation or successful utilization of that platform. Have you seen, Kelly, when you do switch vendors, is there ever an issue with the data transfer? Because I know our last podcast, we discussed how that is a beast in itself, the data cleanup, but has there ever been um, roadblocks when it comes to switching that? Yes, it really does come down to if the data is not clean, if it's not been evaluated, it's not been scrubbed to make sure that they are able to pull it through. We always suggest that when clients are considering vendors that they do a deep dive into that implementation process and the data transfer. The other roadblock is the vendor the incumbent vendor and how closed architecture they are and how open they are in providing that data to the new vendor. Is it going to come down to an Excel spreadsheet or a text file or, you know, who owns that information? You know, we have talked about before that uh, is it free technology provided by a third party, whether it be a carrier uh, and who's going to own it. So if you are moving from that third-party relationship technology vendor, it's going to be harder for the transition than if you are moving from a relationship that you own and you own that data and you have access to it and can move it over. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I mean, it, it, in your opinion, should it be an issue getting the data? I mean, who do you think should own the data when you, when you set up a system? What do you recommend people set that up as? Part of the service agreement should indicate that the client always owns the data and always has access to it, regardless of the relationship with that vendor. But there are some vendors that do not you know, have that same philosophy. Yeah, so it's a watch out for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good one. So um, we mentioned in the podcast, not to, to to, to bring back an old topic, but we mentioned in the first mm -hmm. podcast in this series that free technology gets thrown in often. I had multiple, three or four conversations this week already with clients and our consultants about, um, and you can't see me, but quote unquote free technology. Mm -hmm. So it looks good, um, but it's not always better. Can you just give our listeners one more comment about that? Again, you know, just know that you're going to get what you pay for, and it's going to be paid for somehow. And for your client, it may be increased premiums when the carrier is providing the technology. It may be a reduced functionality platform. It may be reduced service component. So there is going to be a reduction of capability and relationship when there's a third party involved. We love that clients own and engage in their technology vendors and can leverage that 
to have the best experience and utilization. Yeah. Thank you, Kelly. So I, I think that wraps up our conversation today, Kelly. And um, if anything that you've learned in this series, we hope that you realize that HR technology is hugely important. For example, when a paycheck is wrong, that's HR's worst nightmare. So um, we are really appreciative of BTR and Kelly. Thank you so much for your knowledge and being such a great resource to our listeners and to Mago and Braybender. Um, we're very thankful to have you on our team. So um, if you guys have any questions or comments about HR technology, about side effects, feel free to email me at Kenzie at healthierbirthdays.com. Or you can reach me at Ann at healthierbirthdays.com. And you can also find Kelly's contact information on our website. Thanks again, Kelly, for being with us. And thanks to all our listeners. And we'll see you next time on Side Effects. <laughs>